Sam Alzini to the PodMD studio. Dr. Alzini is an Australian-trained obstetrician and gynecologist who has undertaken subspecialty training in infertility and reproductive endocrinology at the Reproductive Services Unit of the Royal Women's Hospital in Melbourne. In this podcast, Dr. Alzini will discuss the management of patients with azospermia. Dr. Alzini is a leader in male infertility treatment and has assisted many couples where the male partners have had a zero sperm count. He maintains an active subspecialty interest in reproductive endocrinology, infertility and microscopic surgery. As always, all information in this podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only and the comments are of a general nature. The information given is not intended as specific medical advice pertaining to a given patient. If you have a clinical issue with one of your patients, please seek appropriate advice from a colleague with expertise in the area. Welcome, Dr. Alzini. Dr. Alzini, in relation to male infertility, what does a GP do when a male patient presents as having a zero sperm count? Uh, it's actually a very uh, distressing situation when a couple is starting their investigations and the male partner find out that there is no sperm uh, in the semen analysis. Uh, we usually ask the couple to repeat the semen analysis again, and if we have uh, the same outcome, then we need here to do further investigations and find out what's the reason why there is no sperm in the ejaculate. And what are the main investigations that need to be actioned? Yeah, here we have to differentiate between two main categories. There is a category in which there is a blockage in the tubes that pass the sperm from the testis where the sperm is being formed to the outside, or if there is a problem in the function of the testis itself where the sperm is being formed. It, this is a very, very important distinction between the two. So, And this can be sorted out by taking a complete history and also from the physical examination and we do some tests to find out to differentiate between the two because the outcome is completely different in each condition. For example, when a patient had a blockage in the tubes, that's what we call obstructive azospermia. They usually have a good prognosis because the testis is uh, forming the sperm as it should be, but there is a blockage or absence of the vase or the tubes that connect the sperm to the outside. Um, a common scenario here is that the patient who come with um, vasectomy before, this is very obvious that there is a blockage there, but also patients who have a congenital absence of the vase, like patients who are a carrier of cystic fibrosis. So we need to investigate those cases uh, to find out if they have obstruction or non-obstruction. The other category that we call non-obstructive azospermia, usually they will have a different history. And on the examination also, we will find that usually the testicular size is a little bit smaller than it should be. The vase is there because there is no blockage, but also from the examination, we can also distinguish other uh, patients who may have a chromosomal abnormalities like Klinefelter syndrome, where they usually have a very, very uh, small testis. This is very important in terms of how we manage those patients. And is there a role for lifestyle changes, Dr. Alzini? Usually the lifestyle here uh, will not contribute much for the management. For example, if lifestyle, we are talking about obesity or being overweight or heavy smoker. So uh, these situations are not going to affect the presence or absence of the sperm if the disease is related to obstruction, but it may improve the quality of the sperm. 
But we still advise patients to lead a, a, a normal lifestyle. But it will be uh, very rare for someone, for example, we just say, try to lose weight or maintain a normal body weight, and then we find spermia in the ejaculate after that. Thank you, Dr. Alzini. And what are the other options available to manage the condition? Yeah, the options of management of cases where there is no sperm in the ejaculate depends on the uh, category, as we said. If there is obstruction and it is due to vasectomy before, then the patient here can do a vasectomy reversal and that will allow them to have a natural conception. And if the patient has obstruction somewhere that can be corrected surgically, then we can remove the obstruction site and we can rejoin uh, the tubes together through microscopic surgery. Or the patient may uh, choose to do IVF, for example, if uh, he's in a new relationship and he just wants to have one baby and he wants to keep the vasectomy, then IVF here will be a good option. So here we just do the usual IVF. We stimulate the lady, get the eggs from her. And on the day when we do the egg collection, we just do a very simple procedure called fine needle aspiration under local anesthetics. We can just get sperm that way. The sperm here uh, will be small numbers, so they will not be uh, enough to do, for example, insemination, which is different than the IVF. And here we have to inject every single sperm inside each single mature egg that we will collect. And that procedure is called the ICSI, or intracytoplasmic sperm injection. Uh, and that really has uh, revolutionized the, the treatment of uh, such cases. But if the patient had non-obstructive azospermia, so here finding sperm will be a little bit more challenging. And the patients may need to do a very sophisticated procedure, which is called microtissy or microscopic testicular sperm extraction. And here we need a high degree of expertise to do this procedure. Um, if I just say that the testis is just like a factory, and that factory has, say, 100 machines, patients who have non-obstructive azospermia, you will find that those machines are either not working or maybe a couple of them just working. And they are producing, say, sperm, but not enough to come in the ejaculate. So our job here is to do that uh, microscopic surgery. So uh, we actually look inside the testes under the magnification of the microscope to find out where are those two tiny machines which are sitting there. So it's a, it's a kind of a directed procedure uh, done under the microscopic surgery techniques. So there will be not much damage to the testes. Uh, the hormonal profile of the patient after the surgery will be okay. And that shouldn't affect the ability of, of that male after the, uh, I get that question a lot. Is, is it going to affect my sexual ability after that? It will not because, as I said, it's done under a microscopic technique. Uh, and here we are looking under the microscope to look at the tubules which are forming those sperm. They will have certain characteristics. So we isolate them. We send them to the lab, which is next door to me. And they look under the microscope to see if they can find sperm there. Once we find sperm there, then we can freeze it and use it for IVF. Or if the partner is doing IVF at the same time, we can use it directly and inject it into the eggs. Exactly like the cases where there is blockage there or obstruction. And what are the success rates of the treatment options, Dr. Elzini? Yeah, that's a good question. The success rate will always depend on... Uh, a couple of factors. The first important factor is the age of the female partner. 
And if she had good ovarian reserve, good number of eggs, and if she is maintaining a normal body weight. So that is the main determinant of success here. Usually the sperm that we uh, extract from the testis will be enough to uh, fertilize the eggs that we will retrieve during the egg collection. So usually the success rate will depend on the female partner age. Um, another factor, if, for example, there is a major problem there and there is a, a genetic problem that make the shape of the sperm uh, always abnormal, then here the male factor will be dominating on the, on the female factor. But what determines the success rate is the female partner age. Another uh, category of patients that I would like to talk about uh, patients who have blind filter syndrome. So this is a chromosomal abnormality, which is actually not uncommon. So about one in 700 males will be born with this condition. Some will know, some will not. And most of them will know that they have Klein filter syndrome when they reach to a stage in which they want to have children. And when they do the sperm test, the results come back as zero count. When we examine them, we usually know straight away that they have Klein filter syndrome, but we have to confirmed by doing the chromosomal testing. So they are usually having an extra X chromosome there. And they have very, very, very small testes. And um, the microscopic uh, surgery help here. And the good news for these guys is that before that technique or technology, we were, uh, they were deemed sterile and they can't use their own sperm. But now by doing the micro TC for them, we can find sperm in up to 70% of the cases. And I have cases where they were able to have children uh, using the, their own sperm retrieved by uh, this procedure. Uh, so that's, that's, that's a great news for them. And they are actually having the highest success rate of retrieving sperm uh, on the contrary of what people think. So the micro TC offer a, a very good option uh, for them. Other things that I would like to mention is that in the panel of investigations of cases of non-obstructive azospermia, we usually ask for the chromosomal testing to be done. And mainly we want to exclude Klinefelter syndrome and other couple of syndromes as well. And we also do the hormonal profile. So we test for the FSH level, testosterone level, and estrogen level. And also we uh, test for or we calculate the ratio between the testosterone and estrogen because sometimes some patients may benefit from medical treatment if, say, for example, the estrogen to the testosterone ratio is high. We give them aromatase inhibitors before the operation. And we found that this can be successful in cases also with Klinefelter syndrome because they are under that category. So we give them the aromatase inhibitor for three months prior to the surgery to increase the chance of retrieving sperm during uh, that procedure. So we do this hormonal profile before the operation and also after the operation, because there are patients who will have a very low testosterone level. We can't give them testosterone before the operation because that can further suppress the sperm formation. But we need to monitor if the testosterone level is going down later on, because we know that with testosterone deficiency or hypogonadism, we may, we may have symptoms and that can affect their bone later on and so forth. So if they need hormone replacement therapy in the future, we need to monitor that. So we need to know our baseline before doing such procedure. Dr. Alzini, thank you for your time today. Your podcast about azospermia has been 